your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day, another great week in this greatest nation on God's green earth. And yes, it is a great week. It is a great moment. It is a moment when the world is coming together in a more hopeful way than I think anyone imagined and coming together in opposition to the profound evil that is coming out of Russia. And the profound evil has a name and the name is Putin. And, uh, and that is being explicitly brought to the attention of everybody. It's people on the left, it's people on the right. It's people in Europe, it's people in Australia. There is so much encouragement, if you want to look for it, that with all of the suffering that is going on in Ukraine, I don't think there is any belief now that this uh, invasion, this war crime, this profound evil is going to succeed. It won't. And yes, decency and goodness will triumph because people of conscience are coming together. This is like Viktor Frankl and Man's Search for Meaning. It's one of the most famous quotes about what he learned being incarcerated at uh, Auschwitz and seeing his family die around him, that ultimately, ultimately, there are only two races of people. It's not black and white. It's not Ukrainian and Russian. It's the decent and the indecent. And right now, the decent are rallying. I mean, my gosh, when this reaches Saturday Night Live, right, where you don't normally turn for political analysis, I, I, I okay, I will ask you. I mean, and ask people out there, are there other people, or is it just my wife and me and our children and other people that we know, but... I have found myself all through the weekend when talking about this, when reading about it, when seeing images about it. I mentioned Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live, for people who don't know, I had a cold open that made me cry. And usually you don't expect that from a comedy show on NBC. But it was very solemn. It seemed like it was shot in a church somewhere. And they just said, uh, live from New York, it's Saturday night. And then they went directly to uh, a choir. And uh, the the choir was announced. And it sounded absolutely beautiful. They were singing, uh, Bless the Ukraine. And uh, the choir sounded like this. It's clip 18. It was performed by the Ukrainian chorus Dumka of New York, and uh, they were singing prayer for Ukraine. Listen. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ukrainian chorus Dumka of New York. They were wearing traditional Ukrainian peasant costumes and there were flowers around a table and they were sunflowers which is the Ukrainian national flower and in the middle of the table in the center carved into the woods into the wood and you could see it they pulled back the camera at the end and it said Kiev 
the name of the besieged capital where there's been so much suffering and so many people with their lives uprooted um, and and then their voices like this and you don't normally expect to get inspiration from media that are covering current affairs but this has inspired the whole world there's no question about it this was a Ukrainian uh, member of parliament who's named uh, Kira Rudik and here's what uh, the member of parliament it's, it was super unusual and super crazy for uh, myself to understand and realize that I'm holding a gun and I'm ready to bear arms and I'm ready to go and shoot the other human beings. And the reason for that uh, change was because Russian soldiers are coming to Kiev and Russian soldiers are trying to take what is actually not theirs. Uh, and it's such a weird switch from your ordinary life when you are thinking that they may come, but you are still a member of parliament and you're doing meetings and legislation and talking to people. And then one day you just know that they're coming and then you have to do something. And that's when you get a gun and then you learn how to shoot it. Okay. Uh, and there's so much more. Uh, Zelensky, uh, who talked about the man of the hour. I know people know him as a former television comedian, actually comic actor. He wasn't a comedian like doing stand-up necessarily. He uh, had a comedy series where he was uh, sort of an ordinary little schnook who becomes president. And now he's an extraordinary little schnook who is an extraordinary president. Uh, he had this to say about uh, where the Russians should go, the Russian military. This is clip three. Once again, 4,500 killed Russian occupants. Leave your weaponry and leave. Do not believe your commanders. Do not believe your propagandists. But simply save your lives. Leave. Due to the martial law conditions, participants in the military actions, Ukrainians with real military experience will be released from detention and will be able to compensate their guilt in the hottest war spots. Okay, which is, which is where we are. And, and again, no one expected it to go like this because the, the Soviets, the Soviets, the Russians, and their uh, Belarusian allies uh, have close to 200,000 armed men. And again, there are desertions, there are casualties, there are wrecked convoys. And uh, here's uh, a another segment that, that I've related to very directly. Uh, Zelensky was giving another speech on television uh, and again it's dramatic he's wearing that sort of green t-shirt that he wears and looking like we've come to expect Zelensky to look and a German interpreter was translating his speech and when he began to talk about dying for his country and the sacrifices people were making We'll listen to how the interpreter reacted. It's clip 14. 
Russland ist auf dem Weg des Bösen. Russland muss ihre Stimme in UN verlieren. Ukraine, wir wissen ganz genau, was wir verteidigen. Entschuldigung. Entschuldigung means pardon me. And uh, the entire thing, I mean, all of it, it I, I believe that this is hitting people around the world. Some of the footage from Berlin, both at the Bundestag, a remarkable speech by the new chancellor of Germany, Olaf Scholz, and then they, they had, it may have been 200,000 people in the streets of Berlin, some of the biggest crowds ever, waving Ukrainian flags, and a complete shift in German policy, the kind of shift that had been urged on Germany by President Obama for eight years, by President Trump for four years. Well, now Germany is doing it. Uh, they are recognizing that uh, as a nation that knows something about evil, that evil is loose in the world right now and can only be countered by people dedicated to the good who were well-armed and prepared. Uh, Germany's greatly increasing its defense spending and military aid to Ukraine. Where does it go from here? What happened at that meeting this morning on the Belarus border? We'll get to that and much more on The Medved Show. Medved show the uh, a Ukrainian bishop uh, has uh, just declared that Putin is the Antichrist of our current time I think he's entitled uh, to express that opinion and everyone around the world it's been amazing how this has aroused the conscience and concern of decent people everywhere decent people everywhere even in Hollywood, and this actually deserves a hooray for Hollywood. Listen. This would give me another decade of not having to behave myself. Hooray for Hollywood. I'm the king of the world. He's super coney Hollywood. Okay, uh, people are not uh, actually proclaiming themselves kings and queens of the world, monarchs of the world, but they are showing them to be part of themselves, to be part of the world and concern for their fellow human beings. Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, one of the better movies of uh, 2021, Free Guy. Uh, Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively just announced that they will be matching donations up to a million dollars in order to help Ukrainian refugees. And one assumes and hopes that uh, those Ukrainian refugees who are fleeing to neighboring but friendly nations that are aligned with Ukraine, that are aligned with the West, that are members of NATO, Poland and Romania in particular, that uh, those refugees will be able to come back home soon and to begin the work of rebuilding from all of the destruction. And it 
wasn't just that. They had the uh, SAG Awards last night, uh, uh, Screen Actors Guild Awards, which are usually considered a pretty good barometer of the Oscars to come. Will Smith actually won for Best Actor, which is entirely possible for King Richard. The uh, the film that won for Best Cast, which is the biggest award in the Screen Actors Guild Awards, was uh, and it's a, it's a good award. I'm glad they did it. it. Was for Coda, which is that amazing film, and it is a fairly amazing film. Little low budget picture about a deaf family where there's only one hearing member of the family, the daughter, who loves music and loves to sing. And the irony there, and in any event, that won for best cast in movies. And when it came for uh, the television awards, uh, HBO's Succession took home uh, the actor for outstanding performance by an ensemble in a drama series. And Brian Cox of Succession on HBO actually gave a very memorable acceptance speech. Listen. Right, because you will be. This is a thing that's come to me uh, about what's going on in uh, the Ukraine. Uh, it's truly, truly awful. Really, really awful what's happening. And it's particularly awful in terms of the, um, what is affecting the other people, particularly in our profession. The president of Ukraine was a comic. You know, he was a wonderful comic performer. And we should respect that for him. And to come to the presidency was amazing. But the, the thing that's really distressed me is what's happening in Russia to my fellow actors and actresses and performers and writers and, and, and critics. They are told under pain of high treason that they cannot say a word about Ukraine. And I think that is pretty awful. And I think we should all stand together. And also for those people, the people in Russia, who don't like what's going on, and particularly the artists. And I think we should really join in celebrating them and hoping that they can actually make a shift, as I believe they can. Thank you. Thank you. And the entire audience Thank you so much. I knew stands up and applauds. Thank you. How can you not be encouraged by stuff like this, which is going all around? They had uh, meetings today. No, they do not have a ceasefire or anything like that, but there was an indication the Russians are going to meet again. They are meeting partially because, because uh, their invasion that was supposed to be a walk in the park has been bloody and, and very difficult. There was also this, this morning, the Ukrainian ambassador to the United Nations, whose name is Sergei Kizalitsia, uh, he spoke to the UN today, and he read text messages between a Russian soldier and his mother. That was moments before that conscript was killed. That's how the Ukrainians happened to have the phone with the message. Here's what the young uh, conscript drafted, what uh, he had to say to his mother moments before his death. Listen. 16. Mama, I'm in Ukraine. 
There is a real war raging here. I'm afraid. We are bombing all of the cities together, even even targeting civilians. We were told that they would welcome us and they are falling under our armored vehicles, throwing themselves under the wheels and not allowing us to pass. They call us fascists. Mama, this is so hard. And this was several moments before he was killed. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's awful. The entire thing is awful. And it shows what one madman can actually do. So where does it end up? Well, this morning there, there was a meeting between representatives of uh, Russia and Belarus and Ukraine. Uh, everybody got out safely. Of course, it's it's a risk because they do have um, a a hit list, uh, which of course prominently includes President Zelensky, who has been demonstrating extraordinary courage and eloquence. Uh, and the, the question is, where does it go from here? Where does it end up? And what, if anything, has Putin achieved? I'll tell tell him one thing he's achieved is he's brought people closer together in NATO, which is a wonderful thing. And two wonderful countries, two of the best countries in the world, honest to God, are Finland and Sweden. They're both Scandinavian countries. Finland uh, has had, I mean, basically been an unstated Soviet republic. They used to call the process of, of sort of takeover without actually invading Finlandization. Well, now Finland and Sweden together are sending aid to Ukraine, and uh, they both are talking about applying for membership in NATO, where I hope they will be welcome immediately, as will be the liberated nation of Ukraine. Uh, speaking to Jerry uh, Boyer, who is a... Uh, a prognosticator, um, economic analyst, and more about where this brings America and the world. We'll get to that coming up. No matter if supply lines are down. Uh, a Forbes contributor. He is a contributing editor of affluentinvestor.com and he's a senior fellow in business economics at the Center for Cultural Leadership. And uh, Jerry is also a friend of this show and is a leading thinker in finance and economics. He, he is also somebody who looks at the odds and uh, the uh, Maybe he can explain, because it's pretty tough, uh, how the market goes up and goes down. It, it was down over 500 points earlier today, then it was down under 300 points, but now it's down 456. Where does it bounce now, and what do the odds makers say about how this works out? 
in uh, Ukraine, and what all that means for the uh, both the midterm elections we have coming up, which are critical or crucial. They're taking place in November, of course, and the presidential election where President Trump at, at CPAC on Sunday night gave the concluding speech, and he all but announced his candidacy. It is his plan to run. Uh, Jerry, uh, first, do you have a, a word for for those of us who are not immersed in the stock market? But the wild gyrations recently, uh, what we were up 800 points one day, is this all based upon whether people think the fighting is going to be over uh, and the Ukrainian government is going to survive and then they get a different impression? What's the story behind the wild gyrations that we've been experiencing? I think the story is not about the inherent economic or financial import of the Ukrainian crisis. Um, because although Ukraine is clearly a humanitarian disaster, as an economic entity, it's just not very powerful. Uh, and so, you know, it's not really that germane to global markets. It's a small power. It's not a highly productive power. It's barely, it's not even an emerging market. It's considered a frontier market. So one of the things we have to realize is just because something's really bad um, in terms of humanitarian values or in terms of the geopolitical order doesn't necessarily mean it's really bad in terms of economics. So I think the gyrations are more about how we think our own central bank will respond to this. When uh, the central bank has been signaling clearly that it's going to start to tighten up the money supply and raise interest rates, that hurts stocks because, in essence, our central bank has had a thumb on the scale when it comes to valuation. But when there's fear, the central bank basically does the equivalent of putting Prozac in the water supply, and that is easy money, monetary creation, low interest rates. So all of this fear in the world is basically being interpreted as the Fed probably waiting longer uh, in order to um, taper or raise interest rates and probably doing less of it. Uh, so there's that on-again, off-again thing that's going on with the central bank. Now, of course, a nuclear war would be bad for, for markets. Um, obviously, it's worse for human life, but it would be bad for markets. But I just don't think the markets are responding to any kind of genuine material risk of something like that. I think that essentially we're kind of responding to how we think our own central bank is going to respond to this situation. I know that you, and it's one of the fascinating things I gain from every conversation with Jerry Boyer, but uh, you play the odds, and you are familiar with the odds makers and where the betting is, because usually that's um, uh, a better way than looking at goats in trails or uh, somehow spitting in the wind and trying to see which way it goes. It actually usually reflects some reality. What uh, do the oddsmakers say about uh, the outcome of this war and the chances of the Ukrainian government surviving as the government of an independent nation? Well, there's some restrictions on how much these futures markets are allowed to uh, speculate on things like that, as opposed to sort of legal things, you know, like uh, presidential elections. So what I would say is the futures market, that the futures markets that are relevant are actually markets 
and I would look at two things in particular. One is oil prices. The other is the ruble dollar and the ruble euro exchange rate. If uh, markets think that things are not going to go well for Russia, they would respond by selling rubles and buying something else, yuan, euro, dollar. And that's exactly what they're doing. Um, uh, market participants, the global market, um, uh, you know, it's kind of all, the knowledge of all of us combined or, or across the world are betting that uh, this is not going to be the cakewalk that I think Russia was hoping for by selling rubles. And that could, that could get worse. And, of course, this, the Russian stock market market is selling off as well. Interest rates are spiking. So anything denominated in rubles is getting hit hard, and that tends to be pretty smart money. Um, and I would take it over pundits um, and, yes, goat entrails anytime. Okay, well, good. No, no goat entrails necessary. <laughs> uh, and about the uh, generally the betting, and this I know it is legal to bet, the betting on the Republicans winning control of Congress in November yes. is still pretty Both. good? Very strong and strengthening. Uh, so that was partly that was inflation, right? Inflation was a big story. But then with this crisis in Ukraine, um, then even more so. And also an increased probability of Republicans winning the White House. The odds, what's happening is the odds are moving towards Trump to win the nomination. But the other thing that's happening is that the odds for who, someone other than Trump um, are really kind of coalescing um, behind you know, the, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, who was second in the straw poll. So what's happening now is it's basically a Trump-DeSantis contest for the nomination. Uh, nobody else is really registering in any statistically significant way. I think that reflects reality, but it is favoring Trump. Now, part of it is you just, you just said why. The only reason why the markets were sort of discounting Trump winning the domination was they weren't sure he was going to run. Now he seems to be much clearer about running, and they basically what that says is if Trump wants to nom the nomination, he can almost certainly get it. So then you have a general election of Biden versus Trump, which, I mean, as an American, I would like there to be better choices than that. When you look back at some of the, you know, at American history, you know, we can have a better pairing than that. And the probability <laughs> market says if it's that, it's probably Trump. Uh-huh. And uh, by what uh, kind of margin? Uh, what kind of odds? Oh, not much. 5%, something like that. It's not that sure. Um, it's all those widened recently for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, and the State of the Union, um, what do you, I do expect that uh, President Biden is going to begin the State of the Union by talking about what's on everybody's mind right now, which is the invasion of Ukraine. And um, what do you think he asks everyone to stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, leaving people like Bernie Sanders or Marjorie Taylor Greene or some of the people who are not supportive of Ukraine in a very embarrassing position. What Wouldn't that be wonderful if he would occupy center ground um, and distance himself from the soft fascism of the QAnon um, and the soft Stalinism of the squad? Um, I would love that if he can do it. I mean, he, he's in an interesting situation because the squad wants to do, the, the left wants to do a reaction to the State of the Union, the same as the Republicans, which shows their Democrats are in dissolution. The only smart move, if that's the case, is to try to occupy center ground. 
Uh, whether Biden will do that or not, I don't know. I would hope he would. Yes, I think it would look be good for the country and good for the world. And by the way, when you hear things like the idea that uh, the Russians are broadcasting live on state TV, uh, chosen episodes and excerpts of the Tucker Carlson show, uh, it really does raise all kinds of questions about where people stand. Overwhelmingly, the Americans stand with Ukraine. Why? We'll talk about it coming up on The Medved Show. show there was a lot of news made today at CPAC actually made yesterday CPAC is adjourned uh, CPAC the conservative political action conference they had uh, some 2,000 people who voted in their presidential preference poll and uh, they voted overwhelmingly for President Trump he got 59% of the vote 27% 28% for uh, Ron DeSantis, who's the only candidate who really registered on that preference poll. A, a quick word on that. The preference polls uh, are not often reflective of who actually wins the nomination. Uh, for instance, in 2016, when President Trump was running and he was a candidate and he did not win the preference poll, uh, Ted Cruz did. And the three years before that, in 2015, 2014, and 2013, three times in a row, Ron Paul, the father, the former Texas congressman, the father of Senator Rand Paul, won the CPAC straw poll. And, of course, he wasn't even a finalist in any of those three years with his various presidential campaigns. The other conference that was going on in uh, at the Orlando Marriott, another side of town in Orlando, was um, hosted by uh, Nick Fuentes, who is a very proud white supremacist, and it was called the American First Political Action Conference. And Marjorie Taylor Greene decided to speak there this year. And something very unusual happened that it really is important to know about. When, when people say, well, these, uh, these guys, they're really patriots, they're really good guys. They're not. They're Holocaust deniers. They are pro-segregation. Uh, Nick Fuentes has urged his followers to kill state legislators who disagree with him. And, uh, I, I mean... He is a, a thoroughly, thoroughly bad and crazy and awful guy. And the people who are attracted to his America First political action conference at the Orlando Marriott, aside from Marjorie Taylor Greene, are also not great guys. When he was introducing Congresswoman Greene from Georgia, he, um, he sounded like this. This is Nick Fuentes. Listen carefully. 
And now they're going on about Russia and Vladimir Putin is Hitler. And they say that's not a good thing. And can we they give a round of applause for Russia? Absolutely, absolutely. We are honored, we are humbled and excited to welcome to the stage right now for our first speech, and we love to get to know her much better. I think this is going to be the beginning of something great. The representative from Georgia, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, do you think she made the right decision after the crowd in her introduction is uh, applauding for Russia and chanting Putin's name. You think she made the right decision, do you, to, to go up there and speak to that crowd? Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene received applause when she spoke Saturday to an organization. This is from Newser. To, uh, when she spoke to an organization of white nationalists in Florida, a group that also cheered Vladimir Putin. You just heard it. But others, including the head of the Republican National Committee, uh, were less impressed with her appearance. Friday night, that was Friday night before the America First Political Action Conference, uh, RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel said Saturday, white supremacy, neo-Nazism, hate speech and bigotry are disgusting and do not have a home in the Republican Party. I, I wish she had added Putin worship because that does not have a home in the Republican Party. In fact, somebody who made that point very forcefully uh, was uh, Mitt Romney, the senator from Utah, who happens to be the uh, uncle of, uh, of Ronna McDaniel. She's Ronna Romney McDaniel. And uh, here is what uh, Senator uh, Romney had to say about this whole basic issue. Uh, listen. Uh, well, a lot of those people are, are changing their stripes as they're seeing uh, the, uh, the response of the world and the political response here in the U.S. But how anybody, how anybody in this country which loves freedom can side with Vladimir Putin which is an oppressor, a dictator. He kills people. Uh, he, 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 he imprisons his political opponents. Uh, he has been an adversary of America at every uh, chance he's had. It, it's unthinkable to be. It's, it's almost treasonous. And, uh, and it, it just makes me ill uh, to see some of these people do that. But, of course, they do it because they think it's shock value and it's going to get them more eyeballs and maybe make a little more money for them or their network. Think that is a part of the gig? Of course it is. Uh, who else would have heard or cared about the America First Political Action Conference? Um, th this is a profoundly emotional moment, and there was there have been a couple of things that have been written that I think get to the heart of it. And I mentioned before that I wanted to talk a little bit about why I think so many Americans are reacting emotionally. And it's because of accounts like this, and this is from a new, uh, uh, the new voice of Ukraine, which is a newly launched 
English language news site. And the editor, the principal behind it, is uh, Nika Melkozarova. And she writes, On Thursday, I woke up at dawn uh, to the sound of blasts. I jumped out of bed, puzzled. Maybe it was a dream. But then I heard another loud blast, and then another one. Kiev was shaking. I reached for my phone and read that President Vladimir Putin of Russia had ordered his army to attack Ukraine. They had started bombarding us. My internet went down. Well, that's the least of the problems, of course. And I felt fear crawling in my guts. I had never felt this way before. It was all as if someone, maybe Mr. Putin himself, had grabbed my heart and squeezed it. This feeling has stayed with me. It is my new permanent condition. Uh, to Mr. Putin, as he explained in his crazy speech on Monday, Ukraine is not a sovereign state and has no right to exist. It is to be folded up by force into Russia's control. The tanks and troops pouring into the country are intended to make Mr. Putin's fantasy a reality. But we in Ukraine know otherwise. Some 43% of Ukrainians, according to a recent poll, are ready to fight the Russians. And more than 100,000 have already joined defense units across the country. We will fight, as our foreign minister said on Wednesday, for every inch of our land. Proud citizens of one of Eastern Europe's democracies, we refused to be ruled by military diktat. Mr. Putin claims that he is a liberator and that Ukraine will profit from the invasion. But even my 76-year-old granny, a typical Soviet babushka, who still misses the Soviet Union and its stability, thinks he has gone mad. I called my babushka, my uh, granny, on Thursday morning while most of Kiev was sleeping. Save yourself, save your husband, granny told me. I will stay in my apartment. If a Russian missile hits my apartment, well, so be it. I had a long life. I would rather die in my perfectly decorated flat than in some dirty basement. I tried to urge her to pack her belongings and uh, documents, but she refused. I'd rather cook some soup, she said with sad laughter and ended the call. This was devastating. My granny is everything to me. All the family I have left and our f lives are intertwined. Though I'm not planning to leave the city, I want to be prepared if things get very bad. The thought of leaving my grandmother behind is almost too much to bear. To ward off despair, I took my dog, Hans, for a walk. Not even a Russian attack will stop Hans's need for exercise. I hurried home and went online. This is after her walk. My internet thankfully restored. Russian troops I read had breached Ukrainian borders from Crimea and seized several border towns. Russian tanks had come close to Kharkiv, our second largest city. In a town right next to Kiev, Russian helicopters had attacked the local airport. It goes on, the war goes on, but hope springs up in the most unlikely places, Berlin, maybe even Washington, D.C., with more coming up in this greatest nation on God's green earth.